Welcome to Back to Debbie, the premium, exclusive, limited time, Debbie, not limited, take that back, Debbie show brought to you by Campus to Canton. I'm your host, Mike Valley. This is my co-host, Corey. I oh, I was fortunate enough to, for the company to send me to Mobile, Alabama. Can all the country folk give me a solid three seconds of hooting and hollering? Thank you. Yeah, I can't do the Southern accent the way Brian Kelly can, so I'll just go back to normal. <laughs> uh, it was it was warm down there, man. I wish I had shorts one day. Um, so many people got really bad summer in the first day. I mean, it was it was hilarious. Uh, I met some people who on um, podcasts looked tan, and then in real life looked like they haven't touched grass for about six months. <laughs> but we'll, we'll get more into my experience in a bit. But if you guys cannot tell, today's topic will be the Senior Bowl. And my reaction, but Corey's reaction too, because uh, I, I am excited to hear uh, Corey's reaction from someone watching clips through Twitter and, and, and the the feed and stuff like that, where my opinion was someone that was on field, up and close and just in person. Uh, but before we get into the show, Corey with the news. All right. And first we'll head over to former five-star Washington quarterback, Sam Heward, who is actually transferring down to the FCS with Cal Poly, which uh, really puts a nail in his coffin for anybody who's still holding a hope for him. Um, He'll link up with his former high school coach over there. Uh, I guess that one's just a Debbie darling that never really worked out. Um, Texas A&M wide receiver, Anaya Smith is going to be returning for his super senior season. Um, which gives the Aggies a pretty decent wide receiver core with uh, with Anias, uh, Muhammad, and and Stewart now, which which will also give a nice boost to quarterback Connor Wegman coming into coming into his sophomore year. So hopefully we can see a boost there. Um, and spring is right around the corner with a lot of these guys, so we're starting to get some spring news coming out now. And starting off with uh, Ohio State. Um, they're going to be without running back Trayvon Henderson, which was pretty expected. You know, he, uh, if you remember, he suffered the, the broken foot. He's still recovering from that. Um, but they're also going to be without wide receivers in Mecca Egbuka and Julian Fleming, who have undisclosed injuries right now. Uh, that could open the door for some of these freshmen to get some solid action during the spring. Maybe hopefully not get another repeat of Keon Gray's last year. And hopefully we get to see some of these guys break that year one zero mold. Um Heading over to Houston, where uh, running back Alton McGaskill is way ahead of his schedule. Um, he should be ready for the spring. He used to be a, a G5 favorite in the Debbie community, who you will now remember is transferring up to the Big 12 uh, along with Houston. So he should retake his spot as the number one running back there and, and add a little bit to his profile there playing in the G5 now. And then um, last week we spoke a little bit about uh, Jaden Rashada, a four-star recruit, having a pretty uh, one of the more unfortunate examples of how NIL can really have a negative effect on, on your recruit. Um, there's a great story on the athletic kind of describing everything this kid kind of went through, but uh, he, he was visiting TCU in Colorado last week, but ends up committing to Arizona state to kind of hopefully kickstart his, his career over there. Um, and, and just a reminder as well, that uh, the season is never really over at C2C. Um, there's never really a better time to become a member. The C2C and recruiting team is putting their finishing touches on the one-of-a-kind freshman and supplemental draft guide. Um, we have begun work on the Devi guide with the spring news kicking up. The CFF team is starting to put their thoughts to paper on their guide as well. So be on the lookout for that. It's also draft season. There's a ton of tools to help you analyze this class, whether it's comparisons, uh, advanced statistics, raw stats. Our, our draft team is releasing mock drafts, uh, rankings as we speak. Um, so there's really no better place to check out. I mean, we've been watching these guys since they were freshmen. I, I think that we should have a pretty good handle on a lot of these guys. So so make sure you guys are checking out campusofcanton.com for everything you guys need to guide you through this offseason. 
Yeah, they're wrapping up the uh, freshman guy, which I love. I think they killed it last year. I mean, if you just look at the tier one, tier two guys and compare it to like, you know, mm-hmm. the other recruiting sites, they did way better. I know they did know. the show expanding it to 25, but if they do like top like 15, I mean, they did a lot better. Yeah, I mean, I know. I remember Alfred was posting some stuff in the chat when he was comparing to all the, the all the other uh, recruiting services out there, and they actually came in like second or something for their running backs or something. Yeah, second or, across the board and everything. Yeah, like that's pretty. That's pretty good. So you guys want some recruitment news? You guys know where to check it out. Yeah, they didn't even do the ESPN. They just they just said it wasn't even worth the effort to calculate. Yeah. This. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, let's get into our player profiles. Now, once again, we do two of these a week. We're doing the 2023 class until we hit the NFL draft or until we run out of names we care about, which I think I don't think that'll happen. I'm not sure. I haven't really done the math on that. But uh, today we're actually not talking about just one positional group, but we're revisiting some profiles here. We're going to talk about Izzy Abanaconda to start off. Uh, Israel Abanaconda running back from Pitt listed at 5'11", 215. His rushing numbers were 241 attempts for 1,425 yards and 20 touchdowns. Receiving 12 receptions, 146 yards, one touchdown. I'm, I'm going to start off first. Uh, we actually had some really great conversation before show, and I was like, we got to stop talking about it. We got to talk about it in person on the show. <laughs> uh, I think he's scheme dependent. Uh, he runs a lot of zone, not a lot of gap. Uh, Corey was actually talking about how you can see how he likes to run outside. I think he's an impatient runner, and I think that's because why he, when he sees the hole, he wants to hit it right away rather than wait for his offensive line to open up for him. Now, I, I'm a pretty frequent cr- frequent critic of uh, Blake Corm because I think his O-line creates a lot for him. It's probably the best O-line in that division. Rewatching him, I thought Pitt did the same for Izzy. I thought, I thought their O-line was consistently – in the secondary, sometimes I saw him all the way downfield blocking safeties for him. So I, I, I really want to give a shout out one to the pit offensive lineman for doing all that. But like two, I, I thought that they created a lot for him, and I, and I actually thought I was a little less impressed. I was a little disappointed rewatching him. I, I thought he was a lot more dynamic when I was watching in season. But I, I, um, I used to say that I thought he was between a second and fifth round grade. Like you know, I could see him anywhere between that. Mm-hmm. I think I'm a little more solidified to like a third to a fifth don't think i see the uh early pedigree at least not in this class yeah i think i, I can see that too i think it's a guy with a lot of upside i think he's pretty raw mm-hmm. as, as a player overall for a lot of the things you said i think the one thing that jumps out to me is probably um to give him some love here the acceleration and long speed you know when he gets that open lane you know he I saw him, he splits defenders and he trusts the speed around the edge too and he gets away with that we'll see if that can happen on the next level as well sometimes you see that a lot in college doesn't exactly work out but um just just remember this guy was a guy who jumped 39 inches as a recruit he ran a four or five flat 40 so i'm i'm imagining those numbers have gotten a lot better over the past three years um uh, you know and i th- i do think there is something to the scheme thing it, it um you know he plays better attacking on the outside you know i think it's kind of due to that patience up the middle he doesn't I don't think he excels running up the middle. It's like he, he gets hesitant with his vision. He kind of just bowls mm-hmm. over. It's kind of like the Zamir White thing you said last year, where he kind of just cradles it and starts running into guys. If there's an open hole, he can get downhill quickly. But if he has to kind of ad lib and do something in traffic there, not as comfortable doing that, more comfortable getting outside, uh, running outside this tackles. I, I kind of found him to be more slippery than sudden. A, a guy that I kind of compare this to, a guy who does this really well in the NFL, is like Kareem Hunt. 
not the kind of guy that's going to be super sudden and shifty, but can shake off an ankle tackle, makes like a few movements to kind of avoid content, content or uh, contact, you know, subtle movements, you know, not the kind of guy who's like utilizes a jump cut very much. Um, not the kind of guy who stops his feet very much, you know, kind of keeps him moving yeah. forward. This was, this was a guy who only forced 46 missed tackles last year, despite that pretty heavy workload as well. So he is kind of more of a North South runner to me, still kind of developing that vision and stuff, you know, um, good contact balance can bounce off a hit still not the type who's going to push a pile either though you know not kind of that gets a lot of push when there's a lot of contact there pff credited him with 2.67 yards after contact per attempt which is like a fairly low number you know so i i think all of this just kind of paints the picture of he's kind of like a raw athlete to me you know i think he's still refining his vision i think he's got some nice tools to kind of look to, to work with and i think the profile paper looks good we're talking about uh, yeah. early declare we're talking about 20, only 20, 20, 20 years, years old, old. Yep, yeah, very important in dynasty. He's gonna have a lot of a lot of leeway on the next level. Decent repro- uh, receiving profile, positive A dot. That's one thing that we've talked about a lot. So he's being used downfield. Got the size that we want to see. So I think there's upside there. Um, I actually was surprised how well he graded out when I graded him. I, I'm still tweaking my my grading system right now. He's ending up as like RB seven or RB eight for me right now so um a, a couple comps i think actually fit well with him i was talking with a couple people today i think miles sanders is a, is a decent comparison and then on the lower side i also think marlon mack is kind of a decent thing too two guys who aren't exactly super shifty kind of north south runners but athletic at the same time uh, i do think in the open space though i think uh you kind of talked about a little bit but i might just be doing different verbiage here i thought he attacked angles really well because you said mm-hmm. he wasn't he wasn't like he did he's not he's not making moves you know he's not jump yeah. cutting but like when he sees that lane I, it's not even like lowering pad level like he's running as fast as he can you know and that's that's kind of what he does he just hits a it, it's kind of a more of a wide receiver skill set to me but like i i like that he attacks angles like he understands angles based on uh like where he wants to run for open area yeah, he's kind of like a one-cut downhill runner, but at his yeah. size, you With were expecting more of like more some power. shiftiness and stuff and, and more oh, power, right, as well. But yeah. yeah. I, I have him currently at RB9. So we're close then. We're pretty close. There. Yeah. I have I have Achin in front, which feels off-brand for me, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, he's actually Achin's one that I – Yeah, he's the one that I'm struggling with. We know he's going to get the draft capital. but Yeah, and you know he's going to have longevity as a pass catcher. We just don't know how much he's yeah. going to run on the ground. Which is it's, That's what I'm yeah. saying. So it's like, is having Miles Sanders better for all these years or is having, like, Naeem Hines better for all these years? I don't know. That's a tough one, no, I guess. In Miles, sense, Sanders. Yeah. <laughs> Miles Sanders has been, like, an RB2 consistently. Remember when he was, yeah, like – kind of. After year one, they're like, "Oh, he's the next Saquon." It's like, no, he's not. Yeah, a lot of people, a lot of people that? were saying that back in the day. Yeah, they're comping like <laughs> random statistics. I love it. Just the way they comp like every bad quarterback to um, Peyton Manning. Oh, Peyton Manning threw twenty picks his first year. <laughs> yeah, when they were given like the whole season to just make mistakes, they don't do that no yeah. more. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, that's Izzy for us. I, I think he does have a very serious shot of getting third round draft capital. That, that's probably where I'm more solidified seeing him. The lack of scheme, though, is what's causing me to say maybe he's an early day, day three guy. Um, Because I do think running backs as a whole have been kind of devalued, late, devalued lately. Um, and we've seen teams wait like uh, Tyler Algier and Damian Pierce are two best examples from last year where teams that needed running back just decided to wait and they just kind of grabbed their guy later on at a discount um and then we'll see if they draft over him so we'll have to see uh but yeah all right let's go on to our next guy and we're gonna talk about the highly debated and i was pretty surprised we haven't talked about him yet by the mm-hmm. way was Keishon Boutte listed at six foot 205 
I'd be surprised it comes in at 205, honestly. But it makes me feel good he comes in at 200. I think Six he's foot- actually listed. Some sites list him as 190. So there there will be some discrepancy there, I think. Okay. Yeah. Good range, though. I'm not no complaints yeah. with that size. No. Uh, this year's receptions were 48 receptions for 538 yards and two touchdowns. Before we get into this, we have to explain for new listeners. Uh, one, this is a new coach. Uh, Brian Kelly comes in. Brian, yeah, Brian Kelly. I almost always say Chip Kelly, bro. Brian Kelly comes in. He he hits a press conference, says, I don't even know this guy's name. And it's just like, well, either one, you're lying, or two, <laughs> uh, you're trying to be tough for no reason. Like, it's just like, this is just BS. All right. And then he brings in a really bland offense because, you know, he just comes in. New QB from Arizona State, which we just watched. Uh, Jaden Daniels' entire teammates just like destroy his locker after he left. I mean, clearly that team missed him zero percent they're very excited that he left actually so there's 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 more drama there and then uh it's it's a new system and he had some off-field shenanigans and it's very clear that they were arguing a lot on the sidelines during the year too so uh, the whole thing just felt really bad off-field stuff for Kajan Boutte and then on field I'm gonna get into my profile here he looked very uh, disinterested on a lot of plays. Uh, looked mm-hmm. like haphazard. He is coming off a major injury, so we would have loved to see, like, I don't know, a solid four-game stretch of good play, and then I don't care if he has an attitude the rest of the year because, I mean, I, I don't think I'd want to play for that team either the way it started off. So, off-field issues, really not a skill thing. He was a very elite prospect freshman, sophomore year, has the injury. He'll now be one year removed from injury, and we will see a little bit more of the combine. We'll see what he puts up for numbers. LSU is consistently hitting the four three nine though, right? The last couple of years, just all of them mm-hmm. across the board. Yeah, pretty funny. <laughs> uh, but I, I thought he was maybe the most elite route runner in the class uh, his sophomore year. I really did. I thought he was up there as a talent with JSN, and that's kind of how I evaluated him. I think he's a great talent. Um, I know I saw someone, I saw someone do a video breakdown. I, I just the ball was thrown behind him a ton. The the system was so bland. I mean, Corey, like it was a lot of it was like everyone goes like ten yards and curls back. Mm-hmm. There and was, a it was like, Jay, yeah, and then JJ just got to pick one. I mean, like, just pick one and throw it. Uh, I thought he, I just kept thinking he kept overthrowing them the ball. There was no zip on the ball either. So every deep shot you had to be wide open. Or I just hated it, dude. I really think this is more the variables around him rather than the player itself. Uh, and I I think he still has first round draft capital capabilities, and I. I would be shocked if he falls outside the top 40. Yeah, I'd say I, I, I probably agree with you, first of all, on, on the rut running comment. I, I think uh, I think you, a lot of people might give that to JSN, but also you you got JSN running a lot of free releases out of that slot, and you've got Butte, who played a little more on the outside, has shown a little bit more of a release package as well, which I think we can both agree is an important part of the route, is how you gain your leverage right in the beginning. And and I, th- I saw a little bit more of that at the line of scrimmage with Butte than, than Jackson. So I think that he does kind of win in that category as well, does a good job coming back to the ball, um, takes takes angles to create an easy target for his quarterback. So, so those are some of the things I like. Um, I do agree, though, that, that, that this year, like it, it was kind of like the George Pickens thing, right, where he seemed kind of like disinterested for, for some reason. Let's hope that he kind of like blows up the same way that George Pickens did, at right. least in value or whatever. But I kind of wanted to do like a refresh on him this past week. Right. So I, I went and looked at games um, from every year, 2020, uh, 2021, 2022, get a better okay. feel of how things kind of like develop from him. Right. You know, um, did you, for did you watch that 300 yard game? As a I, did, I, I yeah. didn't actually. I didn't want to uh, get I didn't want to get. um 
like nostalgic, oh, like, uh, nostalgic <laughs> or just think too highly of him. I kind of pick games where he was like, okay, or whatever. I can't remember exactly which ones. Um, I have them written down here somewhere. Oh, that's good, dude. I like watching yeah. them at the high, not the low, too. Yeah, that's kind of what I do when I look at these games. I always want to watch their bad games or good games, see how, how see how things went or whatever. But um, for anybody who doesn't know as well, that freshman season, um, he blew up down the stretch. Uh, I think the last three games, 527 yards and four touchdowns, including that 300-yard monster, 308 yards and three yeah, touchdowns. I believe, for I believe Terrence Marshall was the one that uh, – didn't he, like, like quit halfway through? Not quit, but, you know, like he was like, I'm going to sit out halfway or he got hurt. Yeah, he, he opted out of that season or something like that. Yeah. Like, was that COVID Butte, already? I think that was COVID. I don't even know if that was COVID. And then Butte slipped in, no big deal, no problem. Yeah, and he he did he did awesome. Um, and then you know it's pretty much that season pretty much made it all seasons go all systems go for twenty twenty one. Has a great six games, nine touchdowns, five hundred nine yards, not like crazy yardage. You know he he beat it in four games last year. But um, then he had the in, the ankle injury that pretty much took the rest of the season for him. And then that was kind of the thing that that popped up for me looking at this was that was the health you know that we got to remember too this is a guy before the season had the surgery and then had a second cleanup surgery that that made him uh, miss the spring and everything like that so i kind of got to wonder there if there was something bugging him i mean uh, watching these games actually i do have them listed here i watched tennessee in last year i watched tennessee arkansas and ole miss and in each of these games, dude, he was coming up hobbled. He was getting up slowly. Like, I have to wonder how much, like, injury he was actually still playing through um, th- through this whole season. And maybe that was some of the frustration. Maybe that's why he's seeming uninterested. You know, it, it, it kind of, like, bugged him that he couldn't be his full self, is playing to his full potential, right? I think another part of this as well, um, you go to 2020, arguably his best season. This guy was a 90% outside guy. In 2021, another good season, um, he was about 50-50 between the two. And then in 2022, for some reason, uh, Kelly decided to play him 70% in the slot, pretty much predominantly in the slot. And then it was his worst year ever. So I don't know if there's something there as well, that maybe he's more suited for an outside role than somebody who plays inside the slot. So um, just speaking about him as a player, though, I think he is a good yak threat. Um, LSU, like you were saying, they love to run those curl routes. They love to just get the ball in his hands quickly as well, just kind of get yak himself, good contact balance, uh, really good tempo in his routes as well. Uh, another really good sideline awareness as well. I wanted to point that out. Um, does a really good job getting two feet in ever since his freshman year as well. Um, so I think that they, like his whole profile, with everything going on, the medical, um, how, he, how he played last year, everything, I don't think that just comes without risk in his profile you're seeing him fall to like the second round in like in like dynasty drafts now and stuff like that so if you're like risk adverse like i i get it i get not wanting to take him right away but if he does return to that 2020 2021 form like you're gonna be mad that you downgraded him and, and shafted him from that point right uh, like i me personally i still have him at wide receiver three for now still feels a little bit risky there might be sometimes I might opt for like a running back there instead, but, but, but yeah, I understand the risk that, that that's around booty now. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Uh, my concern though, too, was you didn't stay. I was a little worried about his hands. Do you think he was like a body catcher? Oh, a I did. I did meant to say that dude. Do you, how many yeah. like bad concentration drops did he have this year? Like he really did. It popped up quite a bit this year. Yeah. Um, 14.7% this year uh, drop route, which it wasn't a, necessarily a trend. He only had 7.5 last year. He doubled it almost this year. So maybe that has more to do with the frustration. And, and I thought the ball, I mean, like, like I said, I thought the ball was thrown behind him so many times too. That he's just used to like, I got to turn and cradle instead of like reach out my arms and attack at the catch point, you know? Yeah. But, and I, and I there was also like some contested catch situations where like, I would have loved to see him make a big play, come down with the ball. But like, he was like failing to come up with it like consistently, man. And I'm just like, 
man, like this just doesn't look like the same player that we saw earlier in his career. Something's going on this year that I don't think is all just on the field. Yeah, and and I know I know Austin said this multiple times before too that he might he might be a knucklehead. I think we'll see what happens at the interview portion. Uh, I know that George Pickens, we can all probably say, was a verified knucklehead before the draft. Uh, yeah, and, and he, he ended up <laughs> just fine at the set. He went to the perfect coach who's dealt with knuckleheads his whole career. Talking about <laughs> yeah, like, yeah the best, yeah, dealing with AB <laughs> and, and Lev Bell. Uh, anyway, yeah, are yeah. uh, you ready to get into the next portion here? Yeah, so let, let's let's move along here. Let's let's start talking about Senior Bowl. Let's get the rookie profiles out of the way. Um, for those of you who don't know, obviously, CGC's very own and your second favorite Back to Debbie podcast host, uh, mm-hmm. Mr. Mike Valerie, attended mm-hmm. the Senior Bowl last week. He attended it with our CGC draft analyst, Barnabas Lee. Um, they've been putting out some great content. You can check out their Twitter feeds for some video content they've released. Um, they released some videos you can check out on the podcast channel as well. They have some videos on the YouTube as well. Pretty much everything you need to know about this year's Senior Bowl can all be found on all the channels of C2C. So I wanted to kind of flip the script here. I wanted to kind of get your take on the experience. Kind of, I wanted to play host a little bit this time, kind of interview you. You know, you were a first-time analyst on the scene. Um, and I, I kind of just wanted to start off, you know, I want to get your general thoughts on this senior bowl group. You know, where, where was it strong? Where was it weak? And, and kind of how you thought this overall senior bowl class, kind of compared to some of the ones in the past. Yeah, so I think uh, we thought this class was, was weak. Um, I think there's a trend in just – in general in college that player loyalty is to themselves, not to the team. So those guys that already know they're going to have that early second, that first round draft capital, like why, why even show up? Like they already secured the bag. Don't risk your body. You know? So I, I think that's a trend. So a lot of these guys that came here, were all uh, day three guys that were trying to play their way into day two or, you know, just play their way up to secure the bag a little bit better there. So I, I do think as a whole from the uh, skill position group, it was a it was a pretty bad class. I really did I like across the board quarterbacks, uh, maybe not tight end, but quarterbacks, uh, running backs, and uh, the wide receiver group were all down years. Yeah, I think yeah, I think that is kind of a trend that's happening recently with the injury the injury scares that everybody has that they're going to exact ruin their draft stock now, and everybody's just kind of looking out for themselves, which is fine. I think you have to do that, especially if you're guaranteed some kind of capital. You know, everybody was getting on Zay Flowers for skipping out on all the Shrine Bowl stuff, but I'm like, hey man, if you're going to mock me in the first round, like, why am I going to try to risk injury right now? Like, I'm not going to do that. Like, <laughs> I actually um, was going to ask if you saw anything about Zay because I couldn't find anything on him. I really couldn't. Right, anyway. Oh, but like at the shrine, like why he pulled out? I was, no, I was just, I couldn't get on social media there because how it was watching that, like you didn't want to miss a rep. And I was like trying to tweet out live videos. Like, yeah. I, I don't know. Sorry, I have 150 clips in my phone and I only post probably about like 30 or 40 of them. But like, I, I, I literally, every single thing, man, I'm like, oh, I'm going to make <laughs> video. Like, I know like your phone is full of memory right now. It's, it's, yeah. it's, <laughs> I, whipped, I whipped out the government phone day two. I'll tell you that. I can see the better video quality. <laughs> nice yeah i know but i know zay he pulled out because his agent um didn't want him to take part in any contact drills he took part in the one-on-ones and he took part in some of the drills but he did not play and he didn't take part in any live contact so that again that's a trend that we're starting to see with a lot of these guys anyway so um speaking about some of these players um i know that you got to meet quite a few of them uh you even got to interview quite a few of them i wanted to get your take on was there a favorite interview you had who interviewed the best who interviewed the worst you know what was your what was your thoughts on doing that for the first time it was it was fun, man. I because I I struggle sometimes with technical terms. Like I I put them on paper, but like I might fumble them with words and stuff like that. Uh, so I didn't want to like sound stupid to these players straight up. Just didn't want to sound stupid to them. But um, 
like some of these players are so well composed. Like the Stanford guys, those guys are definitely coached on how to interview. I mean, Michael Wilson knocked out of the park with his interview. And not only that, like he's sitting at this table. I don't know if this was staged or not, but he's sitting at the table studying routes, looking at today's like lesson plan <laughs> and like studying shit at his table while everyone else is like on their phone, hoods up, trying not to make it like a scene, not to be talked to, you know. And um, but he was out there just studying. I'm like, is he really studying or is he just doing this shit for the press? But <laughs> That's pretty cool, though. I like that. I like that. Yeah. You but he, what nobody and, thinks. <laughs> and he addressed his injuries in the interview. I didn't even ask. I wasn't going to ask um, because also uh, there's like three. I don't know what to call it. There's three types of people there. The media, who was very obvious who they were. You had the executives who all wore their team logo stuff. And then you had the player agents. And they're always lingering, but not talking to anybody. But they're lingering. Like, they're watching your ass. Uh, yeah. So. So that was funny, but he addressed the injuries. I didn't want to like, you know, put him on the spot. And he's just like, I know I got an injury history. I know this can be brought up a lot. Uh, you know, we did team interviews just now and I got to talk about, you know, talking about my collarbone surgery, all this other stuff like that. And I, I have to go back and look up Michael Wilson's injury history. Cause I was really impressed overall with him. We'll talk about it a little bit later, but, um, Tanner McKee just did a great job hiding him from us. So I'm trying to see a little bit more about his injury <laughs> history, see how much I want to like him, you know? As far as the worst interview goes, though, it was John Domingo for sure in, in the in the morning. Um, but then I watched him interview on field afterwards with somebody else, and I was like, "Oh, he's he's just a morning. He's just not a morning person, <laughs> <laughs> like the best of us." <laughs> yeah, I remember sending the audio to Matt, and I'm like, "If you never let this interview surface, I think we'll we'll all be good. No one's gonna care." <laughs> so. But um, yeah, so that was probably the worst one. But it, I, Mingo was cool too, though, because talking to him, he he actually addressed wanting to run a full route tree. Like he he said that. Like I was like, okay, so he must he must think that people think he runs a limited route tree. So I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, no, and these two guys, you know, and he, like you're saying with Michael Wilson, how he um how he was he was pretty much just open with you, or whatever. That's a guy with nothing to lose and everything to gain from this type of setting, right? From from having interviews yeah. to being open about everything, just talking about everything. So uh, I really like that about him. That that probably comes off pretty well. He was the talk of it on Twitter, like you're saying, you weren't around for for a lot of the Twitter talk, but he was he was a lot he was the talk of Twitter pretty much on the timeline. Like everybody's saying he's one of the biggest risers this year. So we'll get into him a little bit more later. Um, you right. touched on it a little bit, how you kind of met a lot of other people you know executives stuff like that like who was kind of like your you know who's somebody that you thought was pretty cool meeting that you got to kind of talk some prospects with whatever that was kind of in the the upper sector the analysts uh, the executives anything like that who did you meet there i did so i did get to talk to a few agents i just want to know what their background was how they got into it It it's kind of bland actually i I got to talk to stefania bell from espn um so that was cool yeah uh she's like five foot six by the way i don't know i just never could tell on the film but like she's really short uh, I'm six foot two for everyone listening. So that's, that's short to me. Um, and then uh, um, I've got to talk to Dame Brugler for like 20 minutes. We got to like, that's we got cool. to talk. Yeah. yeah. We got to talk ball. Like it was, it wasn't like, it, this wasn't with Stefania, but some people were like, you talk to them and, and you could tell they were just being polite. You know, it's like, Oh, it's just a fan I'm talking to, you know, but, but Dame Brugler, like, you know, introduced ourselves, me and Barnabas, both Barnabas was busy fanboying, couldn't, couldn't get it together for like five minutes there. And we, uh, you know, and, and we're like talking to him like, Hey man, we're just really big fans of your work. You know, we read your stuff, you know? Uh, and then he's just like, Oh yeah, who you guys with? And we're like campus to can. And he actually like made a piece like, I, I know campus to can. I'm familiar with that brand. I'm nice. like, oh, dude, that's so cool. And then we're like, yeah, this is actually our, our first time sending guys here. Uh, Barnabas here. I introduced Barnabas. And then I was like, he's our, our senior draft guy, you know, 
I'm like, you know, I, I do pay attention to linemen, but like, I, I'm kind of expanding right now, you know? And he's just right into it. Let's like, what, well, what do you guys think about senior bowl? You know? And so it was cool. I got to talk about, I'd be like, I think this is not a really good place to evaluate running backs. There's just not a lot of drills to really look at for them. It's more like footwork and just like kind of like warm up stuff minus like two actual drills they can run. And then I'm just, you know, talking about players. I'm like Cody mock, uh, the guard from, uh, North Dakota state, you know, he's kind of, a kind of like you know project his second rounder and i was like i i saw him move to, to center day two and i i just actually want to know what your take was about that because i was i had talked to his family i talked to his family his family is really nice by the way they, they brought the uncles and the aunts out like there's there's 10 of them, 15 of them. it was awesome nice. and i was like hey uh did your did your son play uh center like in college at all or practice that at all like ever and they're like nope never they're like maybe he fools around the backyard he helps like you know snap balls to, like special team guys like on their own free time but like you yeah. know never play center and it was cool hearing Dame break him down. It was like, I think for him to be in the pros, like that's where they're going to push him is in the center. And I think that's what the NFL guys were doing down there because they had the same same mindset. And, you know, I talked about Kai Blue with him. Like, I thought he was a really physical player. Um, but, like, he's really aggressive up front fast. So if he gets beat, he gets beat. Definitely open the double moves. He's just a press guy, a man cover corner. And I was like, but uh, he's making his he's making some money here this week. He's just like, yeah, he really is. And. He just talked ball with us. And, and then Barnabas was asking more detailed questions, talking about Christian Gonzalez, the corner from Oregon, who's widely regarded as a top five corner. Uh, it wasn't there, but, you know, uh, Barnabas wasn't a fan of him because he declares his hips early. Uh, for everyone listening, that means that the corner kind of gives up leverage early. You know, I, I know I played soccer growing up. So soccer for me, like I, I played defense. I would actually take like a half step inside declare my hips so they can run the lane on the outside of the field because I want to take away their angle from the goal. And then I would just use my closing speed to keep them away from bringing the ball inside the middle. And that's just kind of how I played defense. So I, basically that's kind of what the corner did declaring their hips early. And that's when he like pointed out to us, like that was coach. He's like, it's not common, but that's definitely a thing that this defensive coach does. And talked about the history of that DB coach. And we're like, yep. Didn't even think about looking at the DB coach like that, but it was just awesome to talk ball with, someone regarded at the top of the industry and, and he he seemed to care about our opinions like he looked like he enjoyed our conversation so maybe we got to invite him on the debbie debate honestly but <laughs> no good. that's that that is awesome i like that and, I don't know, and that's why the guys sent you out there too man you have to be wingman to, uh, a wingman to barnabas you know you're a good outgoing guy you were easy to start the conversations with and introduce people and get people together so i like i, I like that i like that you guys talk to dame Pruger a lot too because he is somebody that I think has like some pretty good opinions in this space that I kind of respect yeah. that I, he's a guy that I look to whenever he writes something or whatever. So yeah, that, that, that's pretty cool, but let's get into, and, let's get into, I do want to say, I want to say one thing about Barnabas though. He actually did talk to the players more. I mean, he considers himself an introvert, but I, I thought he did just fine the whole week, you know, so I'm just proud of him. There you go. See some love for you, Barnabas there. Even though I don't even know if you're going to listen to this, but that's okay. Some love for you anyways. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right. Let's head into some of the positions here. Let's, let's start with the quarterback group. Um, Oh man. Yeah. Kind of an uninspiring group on the surface. Um, Was supposed to have Kentucky quarterback Will Will Levis here as well. And Tennessee quarterback Kenny Hooker was there as well, but of course with the injury and uh, Levi Levis backing out, we were left with a pretty not so star studded group is the best way I can say it. Um, I did think it was pretty cool that 
they had this this thing there, Zebra Technologies, that was kind of tracking the practices for each of for everybody. Uh, they had GPS chips, you know, testing things like arm strength, uh, testing stuff like like the max miles per hour, everything like that. So we do have some cool stats to go here. I will kind of include them throughout the throughout the position groups here while I'm talking about them. You know, starting with the quarterbacks here, we did see uh, Shepherd quarterback Tyson Badgent or Badgent. I don't know. I don't even know how to say that. You can correct me when you talk, but he had the biggest arm of the week. He averaged the most miles per hour, uh, had the highest spin rate, uh, most distance traveled. So he kind of, he kind of flashed his arm a little bit there. Even though they were all kind of close. Um, while, uh, TCU quarterback Max Dugan actually seemed to have the weakest arm, uh, lowest spin rate, uh, lowest miles per hour per throw, uh, lowest, uh, depth of target as well for, throughout the entire week. So I think you, we could kind of see that on tape when we were watching him, but him and, uh, Louisville quarterback Malik Cunningham did show off their legs a little bit. Both guys hitting over 19 miles per hour. Um, so, uh, you know, some some pretty cool stats there for you guys. Speaking of Max Dugan as well, he and Senior Bowl MVP Jake Hayner uh, were both voted the practice players of the week. So I want to kind of get your uh, feeling on some of these guys. Um, did you have a biggest riser of the group? Uh, I mean, I don't I don't think I could. I think I'd be biggest followers, really, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think the my favorite quarterback coming out, I had the highest ranked was was Clayton Toon. I think I had like a fourth round grade on him. So pretty much, you know, backup caliber. Uh, I didn't think anyone stood out. There was a lot of interceptions thrown, like a lot of interceptions thrown. There was a lot of good <laughs> defensive play, too. But I, the one thing that stuck out to me, like this is like the one positive that I can really talk to is that Clayton Toon, like during I think it was 11 v 11. Uh, he straight up threw like two, maybe three picks in a row. I mean, in a row, but like he was, he had really good command prints, like bringing the guys in was unfazed, calling the mm-hmm. next play, running the offense, like a leader like that a lot. And I think that's like my one positive I can say about him, but uh, he definitely seemed to have the best command presence. Uh, so, but there's a lot of picks across every single quarterback there. So I do remember too, they were like doing some accuracy drills because we really weren't paying attention to quarterbacks too much because we weren't high on them to begin with. Mm-hmm. I remember watching the opening for the, you know, they're throwing in a small square net. The net has got little holes in it to throw the ball through. And Max Duggan mixed the whole entire net. I mean, they just missed it. So, <laughs> I mean, there was like, you know, so it was, it no, was man. really, it was bad, man. It was bad. Uh, they tried to run quite a few fade routes. I, they weren't the best at hitting those. Um, There's also a lot of drops too by the wide receivers at that point too. So they got to share some of the blame, but um overall i think every single quarterback we saw is no longer is, is going to be a fifth sixth rounder I don't, I don't even see fourth rounder i don't think anyone's going to pay a fourth rounder for these guys hidden hooker might be a stock up from not from not yeah, from not doing anything yeah just being yeah, there for honestly, the interviews yeah. which i heard went pretty well for him he apparently well at least some of the reports they always come out well anyways but apparently he was very impressive with his interview presence and stuff like that so um he probably had the best time there uh by the sounds of it anyways. Um, Clayton Toon also did have almost the biggest arm of the week. I was battling between Tyson and him because Tyson like hit more categories, but I think actually Clayton Toon had like the highest miles per hour and the farthest distance, I think. Uh, he might have not had the most distance on average, but I think he had the farthest throw. So he actually has a pretty strong arm to him, at least by the looks of it anyways. It wasn't anything crazy, I don't think. These guys were all like under 60 miles per hour and stuff like that. And we've seen guys hit that in the past when we've had guys like Josh Allen there and stuff like that. But yeah, nobody really here did, did that for us anyway. So I guess I don't really have to ask you if uh, you think anybody kind of cre- crept into day two here out of this group. No, that's right. I do have to say this though. Uh, these practices, like even like the 11 v 11, like they're, they're not even like half field. I mean, they're not doing full field stuff. They're not doing half field stuff. 
it was all just kind of like I think about the 30, maybe even the 40 yard going to the going to the end zone. So it, it really was like I see the miles per hour, I th- all the data that they collected, but I'm like they don't really have a full field. Like, I mean, they really can't yeah. showcase this. Only they're only like in small spurts too, you know. So it's I don't know about how much. I, I know we talked about. It. I'm just I'm not really caring about these numbers from the Senior Bowl. No, I get that too. You know, the, the, you gotta wonder how many chances these guys had to even fully break their oh, yeah. stride or whatever. So. There really wasn't. Yeah, there really wasn't. I think each guy got like four one v one attempts a, a day. I mean, total of twelve the whole week. Yeah. So, yes, it wasn't much, but I guess that pretty much wraps up the quarterback group. Not a lot to talk about there. I think obviously the one that's our favorite there would have been Hendon Hooker um and will levis i guess if he was there too but um uh, moving on to the running back group here i think the first thing for me that jumped out um was the great weigh-ins for all these running backs right i think all were as advertised and then everybody else that was small hit above where we wanted to see anyways right you got you had two lanes running back ty j spears ended up hitting 204 was listed at 195 he's kind of everybody's rb2 all of a sudden um <laughs> yet yeah. eric gray yeah. yet eric gray hit 210 which he was listed at which is fine it was just good weight i just wanted to make sure he was going to hit that because i'm an eric gray fan i just wanted to make sure he's actually going to hit that way yeah chase brown pop up at 215 from 205 so um yeah and everybody else was listed as advertised so that was a really great way in uh for the running backs um uh Speaking of Chase Brown as well, he was actually the fastest running back, which I was kind of surprised with. But again, we talked about, you know, we, you know, always get to see it, but he hit 20 miles per hour. Um, he had Roshan who ended up uh, a Texas running back. Roshan Johnson ended up the slowest, but he also got injured in like the first day. So I can't really take that other than him. It's Chris Rodriguez is next slowest from Kentucky, which I'm, Pretty sure none of us are really that surprised with um, running back. Ty J Spears was voted the player of the week. Obviously everybody can't stop talking about him. And you had Eric Gray and Chase Brown voted as the practice players of the week. So uh, kicking it off to you. Now you, you talked about a little bit in the beginning. Um, this is this is kind of a hard environment for running backs to kind of showcase their talent, right? Um, what drill or exercise do you think kind of really benefited the most? You know, was the interviews, the pass blocking, the receiving, or what did you really think helped them the most in that kind of environment? I think the receiving, honestly. So uh, uh, these votes, by the way, for everyone listening, they're by the players, not by the coaches. They're by the players. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, f- yeah, I think the receiving. Because a lot of it's just footwork drills. A lot of it was, like, warm-ups. The only thing is you could really, like, hold water to, like, being, like, weighted for, like, actual animals. It's, like, the past catching drills, the past pro drills, and that's it. I-, I saw someone tweet out, like, a video of Chase Brown blowing up Riley Moss, the corner from uh, Iowa at the goal line thought that was so just disingenuous to like one they're not hitting so so chase brown just yeah. decided to be a butthole about it and like lower his pads and go full speed <laughs> into him while the db is like literally standing upright and ryan moss had a good week so i feel really bad about him for that um but pass pro though I, everyone sucked on the american team except for roshan john i mean i watched day one evan hall lose every single pass pro rep and i watched Chase <laughs> oh, brown God. lose every single pass pro rep and I really was generally impressed with the linebacker group. And I have to ask myself, is the linebacker group good or the running back group suck at this? So, um, and then uh, Cameron Peoples was just kind of a, like, I don't know, he's just kind of there. He didn't yeah. look good <laughs> the whole time. He had he a bad, bad game, too. I know you guys didn't stay for the game, but he had a terrible game, too. He had, like, two oh. drop passes in a row, easy passes. Like, so, like, yeah, he, he didn't did struggle at all. Like. He did struggle with catching. He was trying to body catch and still look like he was fighting the ball um, on those routes. So, it was... Yeah, so I it, I thought the linebacker group definitely looked good. But anyway, yeah, so the running backs across the board, I thought, looked pretty poor. And, and Tajay Spears, too, the, the one clip of him uh, beating Dennis, uh, 
Servaci. I don't really know how to say his last name, but anyway, Dennis, the the pit linebacker, I think it's Servoca, Servakia. Anyway, I'm sure Austin will correct me tomorrow, maybe. But uh, uh, the one v one rep. Okay, first off, open space. There's just no players around. Dennis correctly reads the route, undercuts him, even hits him on the undercut. You know, correctly reads it, and then Tajay Spears just uh, improvises and then goes up vertical. I mean, clearly the linebacker is not going to keep up with him, and everyone's like, "Oh, RB two, RB two, Tajay Spears." No, I mean he had a good week. Yeah, I got it. But like again, like no one's hitting, no one's really going full speed. It's one. It's like it's one v ones, man. Like come on now, defenders are always at a disadvantage in one v ones. There's no. I think everybody. I think everybody was just looking for that reason that they needed to bump Ty J Spears up. Cause I'll admit, you know, I did watch this tape, but we got to remember this is playing at Tulane. The, the competition level is not the same as it is at a power five level, but I will say watching his tape, he did really good against his competition. Like considering he was listed at like 195 and stuff like that. Like I thought he actually looked pretty good. His body control, the way he could avoid tackles and stuff like that. It was, it was some fun stuff on that tape. So um, yeah. hearing that he kind of flashed in this setting without hitting and stuff like that wasn't super surprising to me. I, I do think like, this is what I think was funny too, talking to like the draft guys compared to the fantasy guys. When draft guys get excited about a player, that's someone that they had as like a late day three UDFA that they now think is maybe an early day three. Yeah. And then the draft community is like, Wow, that guy's gonna be a first round rookie. I'm gonna take him 101 overall over Bijan. Like, you know, no, it's not it's not the same. But I, yeah. I do think Tajay had the best week. I think he I, I wanna say before I regraded him, I thought I had him in RB fifteen area. I think I put him up to RB eleven or twelve, and I gave him mm-hmm. a fourth, fifth round grade for NFL draft, which is where I think he goes. I think so. I think that's funny. That's exactly where he is for me right now. I think he's running back yeah. 11, if I'm not mistaken, on, on the way I graded or whatever. He's, so, and, and I was actually surprised because when I graded him, I actually thought I gave him good marks. And then it's just the depth of this running back class, man. It's hard for him to climb any higher than some of these guys. Like we were just talking about Izzy up there. He's at running back seven, and I really like him. And that's all the way at running back seven and eight already. Mm-hmm. So it, it's tougher to yeah. climb any higher than that. But uh, it's, Eric Gray did look good. He was returning punts. So I thought yes. he showed some versatility yes, there. So that was kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, I thought he played well. Um, Chris Rod, we got to talk to him, by the way. Didn't get to get him on interview. It's more of a passing one sentence thing. And I, you know, I gave him the go cats, baby, you know. Uh, but, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, he, uh, you know, I asked him, I'm just like, hey, man, you looking, you look, you doing all right out there? Anyway, but he, he, he let us know that he had a, uh, I want to say it was a torn PCL the entire year and was still recovering from that. Really? And I was like, maybe that was, might have been hampering him a little bit. Uh, but still, I, just after going to this thing in person, I instantly felt bad for the running backs. I know people have been commenting like, oh, Zach Sharp, they should have shown up to the senior bowl. I'm like, I don't know, man. There was really not even an opportunity to really showcase his skill set. And if he thought he was a day two running back anyway, I wouldn't show up anyway. Because it, it really was like there's no drills to show off your talent. There's no hitting. I mean, he, I mean, Zach Charbonnet's number one thing is his power, right? Like he can't show yeah. it off there. Uh, so um, I, uh, Chase Brown, I thought had – the one guy that I thought had slower feet in person than on tape. I really didn't <laughs> really thought it was not so great. So a disappointing um, even, showing from, from chase Brown by your standard. Even in running routes for pass catching, he was getting hit off his routes. Evan, Evan Hall did do better in pass catching than, any, than anything else. Um, Which was then, expected. I think, I, I think yeah. when I looked at them too, I thought he was going to probably be one of the better receiving backs there. Just not good as at everything else. <laughs> I thought Sir Roger looked okay. I'm not sure where I'm going to put him in my, my grades, but I thought he did better than Cameron peoples, for example. Yeah. A late ad. From that group, 
Aliad from the Shrine Bowl, right? I think so. Yeah, yeah. Was. yeah. He was getting a lot. His agent was constantly talking to him, so it was kind of cool seeing them. But uh, and then uh, let me see the other group. Eric Gray did well. Like nothing really special, but nothing nothing bad. That's for sure. He definitely won some, lost some, but you know, looked fine. Who? Uh, Chris Rod. We talked about Chris Rod. Didn't didn't do anything. He didn't look bad. He didn't look good. He didn't do anything. Um, now, I didn't hear you say anything much about uh, Kenny McIntosh, who I believe left for a little bit with an injury, but then came back. I'm not sure exactly how they broke down. Do you have any uh, thoughts on him? Yes. Yeah, he he also didn't really flash that much either. I, I saw some people talk about him, and I was – I am amazed at everyone that was there in person, how much of a different opinion there was about players. It was like we're all seeing the same thing now in person, so it's kind of weird. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he was just another guy that didn't really stand out to me. Uh, he wasn't very good at running either. Like there wasn't any holes. I mean, obviously, again, there's no hitting. They kind of just hit him and they run through to finish the play. You know, like that's that's yeah. kind of your coach. So, yeah, I think we covered about most of the topics of the questions I was going to ask, anyways, in that conversation. I would just finish it off with saying, who were your top three ranked guys, and do you consider any of them a day two prospect? No, 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 none of them are. All right, so none of them are day two prospects. Uh, Taj is definitely number one. I think he's a fourth, fifth rounder um, as far as like pass catching basketball because that's going to be his role. He's going to be a committee piece. I still think Achi has got to be the number one committee piece uh, coming up in the draft. I think he might he might be too. I'm a little worried about Sean Tucker's weight. That's a conversation for another day. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> assuming assuming all the other guys make their weights that we're all hoping make weights, I think he's going to be too. If Gibbs is low, then yeah. Anyway, I think he's a, he's a early day three guy. I think um, – Roshan Johnson, people were hyping him up. I think people were really hyping him up because everyone else looked so bad. I'm gonna be honest with you. Like, I think that's really what it was. So yeah. I, I think I think he kind of stayed the same. I have him as, as an early day three guy as well. And then and then Eric Gray would also be the same thing, which I already yeah. had an early day three grade on him. Yeah, which is what I was gonna ask you too. That's kind of where I had him too. I'm so hope I was hoping with a strong week, maybe he could push himself into day two territory but again it's so deep like if i'm thinking like izzy has day two chance and and kendra has uh, day two chances and a chain has it like i just don't know if there's all the room for all these backs and who are gonna who's gonna take them all right so i think we have to expect day three for a lot of these guys anyway so yeah that'll wrap up the running back group there at the senior bowl so uh let's move on to the wide receivers now when it came to the weigh-in for most of these guys they were at or around uh what was expected for most of them um the big discrepancies came from iowa state wide receiver uh xavier hutchinson who came in almost two inches shorter than his 6'3 listed height and then yeah. smu wide receiver rashi rice being listed almost full three inches shorter than his listed height which is which is pretty big you know i always thought that that rice was a decent mover but um with both these guys kind of being at, at lower heights it, it can't give them as much leniency for some of that lack of shorty or quickness and some of that lack of separation that we saw on tape that we could kind of say, oh, they're bigger guys, you know, whatever, they'll win at the catch point. So um, he- heading over to the practice players of the week, Mr. Jaden Reed, Michigan State wide receiver, and your guy, Virginia wide receiver Dontavian Wicks, were practice players of the week. Um, and then the fastest wide receiver at the Senior Bowl was actually Trey Palmer, which was no uh, surprise to me. Um, 21.15 miles per hour. Very fast kid. I think he's a sneaky guy on day three, man. I think he could really, really make a team happy. And then you, you had day three. Keyword yeah, day, day three. three. Yes, it's day three. Yes. <laughs> and then your guy who actually didn't, I believe by your account, we were talking earlier in the show, he got pulled by his agents, but but uh, BYU wide receiver Puka Nakua had the slowest time with only 18 miles per hour. But I don't know how much time he actually saw on the field there. 
Um, so yeah, I just want to get your general thoughts on, on this group, the, the one versus one drills, you know, they, they typically favor like the wide receiver, you know, the smaller shiftier wide receivers like Nathaniel yes, Dell or yeah. Jaden Reed and stuff like that. So did you feel like anybody was kind of winning at these drills? Did you see some big guys that, that kind of performed well, or was it just the smaller shiftier ones that were kind of winning most of the time? Yeah. I, so I'm, I'm going to break this down by a uh, national versus American team, just, just to, for my organizational sake. Um, I, I thought, yeah, the smaller guys, the shiftier guys do really well when we've won. Obviously, uh, Trey, Trey uh, not Trey, excuse me, um, Nathaniel Dell hit him with that cross dev. And that was just, I mean, that in person, you're just like, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why everybody was talking about him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he looked great. I mean, that was just flashy. I mean, that was, I wonder if his agent was like, yo, hit him with that leg thing, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, um. No, I want so Trey Tucker was a surprise for me, Cincinnati. I actually thought he was a fantastic mover. Loved my my interview with him. Uh, he looked good in one v ones. Did some um, special team stuff too. I I think he can be a starting special teamer at the next level with some play. So I think he made some money. But I mean, making some money. I mean, I think I had him as a UDFA, and now I believe he's uh, late day three. He's gonna be on a special team somewhere. Um, Ronnie Bell couldn't stop dropping the ball every single day, so that was kind of annoying. Ooh, that so, sucks. Um, I like uh, they want. Yeah, yeah. Day one, he got locked up pretty hard all practice. Day two definitely showed a little bit more uh, route running ability, but day one definitely was a kind of wake up call for him because he was he was getting locked up. He kept on wanting to go vertical. He that like he just wanted to be a straight line guy, uh, and he just couldn't do that here. Uh, Jaden Reed was, by all accounts, a lot of people loved him. Uh, I think he was he was a, was he voted the best player. Jayden Sorry, Reed. say that again. Was he the fastest? Jaden Reed voted. Yeah, oh the, no, the yes, one. yes. Uh best practice player, Michigan State, Gene Reed. Yeah, yeah for his side. Yeah, I, I was talking to some people who really were impressed by him. And I, I don't know. I, I was a little impressed by him. I, I always thought he was a speedster field stretcher. He came in, I think, t- an inch or two shorter than he what he was. Um had some good footwork, but like as far as like I never saw him against physical contact because that cornerback group was weak. It was just Caillou Blue giving guys press coverage. Everybody else really kind of didn't do that. So uh no, no, I never got to see Jaden Reed against actual physical coverage, um, which didn't seem to be something that he would be good against. And then at the catch point, I thought he was okay. He he had some drops here and there, but uh, he was usually wide open for most of his catches because of his speed. Uh, so I, I think he's, I think he's a stock up for me. Like I, I think he's a he's a third rounder. I really do think that. Uh, but he's gonna be a complimentary piece on an NFL offense. I'm not really looking for him for a. Uh, for a uh, fantasy role. But, you know, if you're a fan, I would actually feel pretty good about him as a fan being on my team. Uh, let me see. Elijah Higgins. Elijah Higgins is probably the worst receiver on the national team. He actually Even- got some reps with the tight end group as well, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, didn't he? Yeah, he did. The final day I saw him uh, practicing. Uh, catch yeah, they're like, this ain't working for you being wide receiver. We're going to try you over at tight ends to see if it gets any better. I think that's kind of <laughs> what happened there. <laughs> he couldn't turn like he just couldn't turn fast enough and then i saw them trying to do even um like just nine routes and like corners were still like able to do that i mean you know it's a nine but like corners were still closing in on him he he struggled greatly uh, most of his catches were either like contested catches or well that was just it so yeah he he had a rough day um a rough week he's gonna have a rough year <laughs> uh michael wilson was fantastic he had great footwork loved the way he moved he definitely had a drop here and there but i mean he was the most exciting guy consistently throughout the week i think he is another guy that played his way into the third round draft capital um like late third round draft capital same with Jaden reed uh but another guy that was exciting to see i think he earned that and then puka nakua here i want to talk about him 
uh, he got pulled day one. Uh, no word. I clearly wasn't injury because they, they let you know when there's injury. So the assumption and the rumors were that his agent pulled him. He had a fantastic day one. Better footwork than I thought in person. It also, I had to say this, Corey, it helped that his quarterback was on the same team as him. Jaron Hall, he was like the go-to first, second read. So even on 11 v. 11s, like he's making those like nice catch point like catches like on the sideline with a two toe tap in mm-hmm. uh, and he made like a few of those uh, he showed really great ball tracking i remember in a rep uh really good coverage i can't remember who was in coverage so i'm really sorry about that i think i posted it uh but it was a really good rep and he came back to an underthrown ball that you're just like there's no way he gets it but he still like went for it and almost got it and i'm just like you want love to see the effort to love the body adjustment because it was kind of insane how close he even got to catching this ball so uh puka nakua to me the reason just i'm reading the tea leaves here i am a fan but like just unbiased because he got pulled (laughs) i would actually assume that that the agent got word that he got like you know the day two draft capital like he earned that alec pierce left day one last year it's it's pretty consistent guys will show up and leave when their agents have given them good word there's also some that leave because of bad word i'm just gonna say this dude the ohio state safety you're like ronnie uh ronnie something i can't remember who he is got burnt all day and then i think like day two or day three we didn't see him anymore and we're just like yeah he did not have a good day his agent pulled him not for positive reasons uh but yeah anyways it, it, so it was a weaker cornerback class uh trey palmer like just wanted to fight everybody every single route dude like <laughs> like and it wasn't even like good technique it was like you're fouling they're they're physically throwing flags at you there's refs there the refs are physically throwing fouls at him there's no there's no route running He's just being physical, dude, uh, which worked out sometimes. He d- did have a really good route day three, and I missed it because I was busy posting the video from the route before, so I don't have to comment on it. I'm so sorry for everybody. But, um, yeah, Trey Palmer, who, he, yeah, I mean, he, I think he's a day, he's, he's a locked-in day three guy for me, no doubt about it, and probably like an early day three guy. And then Grant DeBose, the last guy on his team, uh, he he's built weird man he's built just like jsn where he's got a really long torso skinnier lower lower legs um doesn't look like he weighs 200 pounds somehow he does but moves well uh really questionable hands it's trouble separating at times too i i mean he just he didn't stand out okay so so i would take it from your kind of explanation of that group there i was going to ask you anyways who might have been one of your biggest risers but is 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 michael wilson probably your biggest riser of this group yeah, hands down. Because, I mean, Stanford, I was like, he's not even like a day three guy for me. Like, they didn't see anything on tape. I watched a little tape before it showed up, and I was like, there's not a lot. I couldn't find any first off. Like, Honestly, like, do you want to know what I thought when I watched it? And I don't care if it's helmet scouting, man. But I was about to say, is this J.J. Michael Wilson Arcega right here? Like, that's it. Because it was a lot of it was a lot of jump balls and a lot of contested catches and stuff like that. And, like, decent release moves. You had a decent release package and stuff like that. But you didn't really see a ton there. But, again, Tanner McKee at quarterback, you have to wonder like how much they were giving Dude, him he hit him so well was, he really but... did he hit him so well yeah. from us so yeah He's i think good. that's that's an interesting one i'm gonna take a, another look at that um Tanner, so Tanner that was... he should go work for the cia because he's such a good liar apparently <laughs> he got pff fooled and he, and he hid and he hid tanner mckee from us go be a cia handler <laughs> okay so that was the national team right so what about the yeah. american side and, now and just from the national team the guys i would say rose to like third round draft capital it's probably michael wilson puka nakua and Jaden reed like that's that's the three uh for the national roster i have to go on over there 
I know Tank Dell is over there. Tank Dell looked great. He's really small. He's tiny. Everyone's like, he's my RB, whatever, wide receiver, whatever. So just, you know. I, I'm interested to get one take, uh, one take from you on a guy that you had pretty high coming into this thing. And I questioned <laughs> you. Start you. off with that? Or, <laughs> I questioned right. you coming in when I when you first posted the rankings. But I think I think this one's the answer to the question who you might have done the biggest 360 on after watching him. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, 180, by the way. 360 oh, is a circle. Oh, yeah. Whatever it is. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Uh, don't late. cut it out of the audio. It's, I'm not going to cut it out. I'm not going to cut it out. <laughs> Andre Yosivis, Princeton, uh, wide receiver, who is athletically really good, like national, you know, like sprinter back in the day, has great alpha size. I thought Shodi had good ball play, like good receiver play, and obviously was an athlete on the field, but like his – his film from Ivy League was watching high school film where he's just straight up out athleting kids, and that's how he's winning. Uh, he could not do that here at the Senior Bowl. I mean, he was he he was the resume booster for the other corners. I mean, I think the <laughs> other corners had to have known, like, hey, I'm having a bad day. Let me switch with you. I'm going to need to go against Andre to get my, my confidence up. <laughs> uh, so, like, he – fine release, but, like, couldn't get out of his breaks. Like, I don't – like, he just couldn't slow down. I mean, and then he, like, slowed down to, like, a terrible speed. Like, it was terrible. He was locked up the whole time, all the time. Um, couldn't get open. Even on 11 v. 11s, like, he couldn't even get open then. So um, he's going to kill the combine, though. I, I think if there wasn't a team that had somebody show up to the senior bowl, maybe they'd take him in day three. But, man, it was pretty bad. It was pretty bad. This, I'm going to go on to another guy that kind of disappointed here. He's kind of at the top of the list here. Uh, Darius Davis. I, there was quite a few, I thought, special teamers, field stretcher types here, like, like quite a few of them. Uh, if I had to rank special team guys or even field stretchers, two separate categories, he wouldn't be like top three in either one here. He definitely disappointed. He definitely got pulled by his agent. I think day three is when they pulled him and he was just disappeared. I think he uh, played his way off draft boards. I really do. Uh, for a small guy, he really did get locked up like way too often in one v ones. But talking about another small guy, Nathaniel Dell, who looked great, had those flashy moves, um, got pulled as well. Um, now, with this one, I would say you could also assume he got, like, day two draft cap because I think most people already had him as, like, an early day three guy before going into it uh, just off of production and film film alone. I'm worried about his combine. For a guy his size, and we, and we talked to Dane about this too, by the way, for a guy his size, we're a little worried about what he's going to run at the 40. Like, if you're if you're going to be, mm-hmm. was he, five foot eight, right? Five foot eight? Yeah, five foot eight or nine and 165 pounds or something yeah. like the 163, 163 he checked yeah. in. Yeah. If you're going to be that size, you can't run a four or five. No. I mean, somehow Tutu Atwell convinced the Rams to do that shit years ago. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> I, I don't like, I think that's who I comped into like a month ago when I posted my graphic of, of like, player comps. But anyway, uh, going on to Xavier Hutchinson, he was a better mover than I thought. I thought he was real stiff watching his tape. I, I thought he was just kind of a jump ball guy, big frame, um, a lot smaller in person. Uh, definitely had faster feet too. Won some reps for some route running. I was kind of surprised. I don't know where I have him. I I, I just assumed he was a, another like you know maybe maybe late day two guy because he was a Blitnikoff finalist and people are gonna love those raw numbers. So I, I think he kind of just stayed the same. Uh, Jonathan Mingo was a huge stock up for me too, as well. Oh, 220 man, pounds, six foot yeah. one. He moved. He's beefy. 
great. And then one of his best reps was against Darius Rush, who was one of our biggest stock up guys for corners because he was he was just phenomenal. And while we're on it, dude, shout out to the South Carolina defensive back coach. I don't know who that guy is, but J.C. Horn, then Cam Smith. And then I just assumed Darius Rush was just kind of mediocre because he's the CB2 on the team. He could have been the CB1 on multiple teams. I mean, it, he he was a huge stock up. So whoever the South Carolina defensive back coach is needs a, needs a raise. I'm going to look up his name <laughs> and find out who that is, honestly. Uh, so anyway, uh, Mingo, Mingo looked great. And, and in our interview, he said he wanted to show off a full route tree. And I definitely saw him doing that. He wasn't just doing like basic routes. He was doing nice crossers and stuff, verticals, everything like that. It, it was great. Mingo looked really good. I think he played himself into third round draft capital. And he's a little Ooh. bit more exciting for me because I, I think he has a good athletic profile, fantastic size. Um, anyway, Rasheed Rice, man, everyone's down on Rasheed Rice. First off, I wasn't one of the people that had Rasheed Rice as a first round pick. There's, there's a, there's a cult out there. <laughs> I think they disappeared back underneath the rocks, but, uh, he's a zone guy. I mean, where I'm watching him play against man coverage. Like I didn't really expect much out of him. I, and he also had questionable hands too. He had quite a bit drops on film this year. So Rasheed Rice to me performed as advertised and I already had him as a third round guy. Anyway, he's staying as a third round guy. So He's not going anywhere. Uh, Jalen Wayne, Reggie Wayne's son. I looked for Reggie Wayne, couldn't find Reggie Wayne. I would have gotten his a nephew. Photo for sure. I think it's his nephew, actually. Nephew? Yeah. All right, I well, think. tell him to support the family, bro. God, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, anyway, uh, he actually looked better than I thought. Um, first off, the Senior Bowl is held at South Alabama, like at their stadium. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm convinced that South Alabama gets one free ticket, maybe two, because there's two players out there. Um, <laughs> I really am. I really am. And he looked okay. He looked fine. I mean, he, I don't know where he's going to get drafted, but probably late day three. And Dontavian Wicks, another guy who was just derailed by a poor offensive system this year. I really do feel bad for him. But he also dropped the ball a lot there too. But he didn't show that this week. He showed like he looked like a totally different player this week. He looked great. Uh, good hands. Good footwork. Some route running too. I thought he was kind of more of a a release guy, but not much footwork. So he was a surprise. I liked him as well. I think I think he worked himself to be a fringe day two guy as well. So all, all these guys I'm talking about, like being third rounders, like mentally, just tell yourself that they're like back half of the third, early fourth. Like that's that's where all these guys ended up for me in my like grading system. Yeah, and and even going back to Jonathan Mingo, there, I'm kind of glad to hear some of that. I think even as a Debbie Darling kind of ever since he was like a freshman, even um, we've constantly been waiting for the breakout for him. Cause it's been the size. It's been the athletics. It's been things like that. Like, I think he's going to test. Well, he's going to look good on paper to a team. I just don't know why he's never put it all together wherever he's been. And maybe it's, you know, maybe they made him run a, run a limited uh, route tree over there that he could never really shine in or anything like that. So he did kind of, I think he was, was he the second leading receiver for Ole Miss this year? The first leading receiver. I can't first, remember. Exactly. He had a yeah. quiet 1000 yard season, I believe. Was it? I thought Malik Heath led this team, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, yeah, I mean, he, he had like three he, games, of like 200 yards, and then everything else was like kind of meh. Yeah, I but he, he he's an interesting one, you know. Um, so if he can climb up into that kind of day three range, I could see somebody pulling the trigger just because of how he looks on tape, and or I mean, uh, how he looks on paper with the size and and how he's going to test at the comics. I think he's going to do pretty well. And uh, again, Ole Miss offense isn't really like like extravagant right it's kind of like yeah they went they went run heavy this year yeah and they're they're not asking their wide receivers to do a whole a whole lot anyways so it kind of makes sense there so um 
yeah, I guess that'll kind of wrap up the wide receivers here. Um, yeah, you kind of hit on all these questions I was going to hit anyway. So I don't know if you want to talk about tight ends at all. We can kind of hate. We can go ahead. Sorry. I actually do. I know we hate tight ends, but I actually was forced to yeah, watch tight ends. Yeah, you know, I, I do think that this actually was an interesting group, actually. And uh, we didn't have a lot of tweeners in this group either. They were all over 6'3", uh, 6'3", or over. They were all 239 or over. So there was, you know, some at, like, the lower end of those thresholds. You know, we want to see, you know, like 6'4", and stuff like that. But I didn't think there was any – there wasn't any guys like Connor Hayward last year who was, like, six foot something or whatever, like, more of a whatever. Um, you had Payne Durham, uh, Purdue tight end, and Alabama tight end Cameron Latu were actually the practice players of the week over there. Uh, I think it's – you know, we talk about it a bunch. We It's fairly tough to evaluate tight ends regardless for fantasy purposes. So um, I'll just get your take on it. I'll let you talk about it. Did anybody kind of here stand out to you in a good or bad way uh, throughout, the, throughout the week there? Luke Musgrave did. Uh, I know there's mm-hmm. another kind of famous video on Twitter right now with him going against Jay Ward, who Jay Ward had a good week. I thought the last day was kind of not his best day, but as a whole had a good week. Uh, Jay Ward is a LSU safety well, corner turns safety, but we think he's going to go back to corner of the pros. Anyway, uh, he, he he's fast. I mean, he's fast. He looks like a really good pass catching tight end. Um, another guy, just like Michael Wilson, has always been hurt, and so we just haven't seen him put it on paper. The Cameron Latu stuff, that's such a lie. I don't know why he had the best week. I, mean, that, I, <laughs> I think every, saw it. everybody at CDC is surprised with that one. <laughs> I didn't see it, yeah. Um, Will Mallory is just the guy. He just, he just existed. Uh, and then Braden Willis, who came in as a fullback, practiced with the tight ends. And he, he looked okay, too. The last guys just looked okay. But Luke Musgrave's speed stood out a lot of times as far as reps, too. And going over to the American roster, Payne Durham was probably like my tight end 7-8 uh, going into this. And I think I moved him up to my 5. He okay. looked great. I mean, and I... Yeah. I'm gonna. Lie, I'm not gonna lie. I had fun watching pancake safeties because in their in their <laughs> blocking drills, they had them go up against safeties, like went for the one v ones, and it's just like I mean, Payne's got 60 pounds on these guys. What are you doing? So that was kind of fun to watch him just do whatever he wants to safeties every single every single rep. He just did what he wanted. Uh, so that was kind of fun. But uh, and then um, the Clemson tight end Davis Allen was kind of a surprise. He looked okay. Like I was like, I never. I didn't even know who the guy was. Never looked at his tape or anything. Thought he could hang a little bit. So that was a surprise. But the two winners for me here are Luke Musgrave and, and uh, Payne Durham. I think I have them like tight end four or five right now. I have to check that. But in that area, I, I had them both as like potential potential third rounders, maybe fourth rounders. Yeah, I had a lot of Payne Durham in like C2C leagues. And so I actually watched a little bit of him in college too. Very like good all around player. Like it was actually a pretty good receiving threat for them over there at Purdue as well. Uh, a yeah. good red zone threat for them as well. He actually has like some of the better blocking grades uh, in this class, especially when you consider like the amount of reps he got. Um, blocking in each category like like brain willis graded out very well as a great as a blocker as well but then you look at how many snaps he had blocking and there was like 39 snaps and like but like Payne Durham was actually getting reps at blocking pass blocking and run blocking and graded out very well for it so this is a very good like all-around tight end i think that could that could probably make a team pretty happy on the next level i don't know the fantasy upside there i don't know how much of a a wider uh of a receiving threat he's gonna be might be more on like the heath miller range if anything if he hits that kind of upside but um but yeah i think he's gonna be an interesting guy i do think that that um oklahoma tight end uh brain willis is kind of interesting um, I know that he's kind of in the middle of like H back and whatever. He played a little bit of fullback in this game as well. Um, 
This is a guy who played Wildcat last year in, uh, in that Texas game. If you guys watched oh, the Oakland yeah. game, Gabriel was out. He actually played. <laughs> he actually ran some some Wildcat. Was pretty crazy. I don't think he actually threw a pass though. It's, they had Eric Gray running one Wildcat in that game too. It was crazy. But um, I was worried about the size a little bit because I thought he looked a little bit thin. But I'm actually okay with the 6'3", 239 that he came in at. I think that was actually good because I was worried he was gonna come in like six one or something as well uh like i talked about before though this guy does have good blocking grades as well even though they he didn't do a lot of it but he, this guy's kind of like a little bit of a sleeper because i think he has a little bit more receiving upside than than some of these guys too so uh had a pretty good receiving season there over at for oklahoma i think he was the second leading receiver if i'm not mistaken so um might do- might kind of be typecasted into like more of an h-back role but but he's interesting I do want to say this about Payne Durham. He did have questionable hands, and I actually enjoyed – we enjoyed talking to him. Uh, I'll talk about – I'll be on the after show tomorrow talking more about our interview with him. But um, he uh, – first off, he listens to country music for hype. That's, he's the only guy there that, that <laughs> said that. Um, and Boom. second, like, he talked about his blocking. I'm like, I straight, I straight up talked to him before we turned on the cameras. I'm like, yeah, I, I love watching pancake safeties through a killer. And he's just like, thanks, man. And he's like, I want to show coaches I can do more, though. I I couldn't really do a lot of what I wanted to do at Purdue. And he's just like, I want to show I can be more of a pass catcher. I thought he ran decent routes. I I, I was definitely came away impressed with what he was as a pass catcher compared to what I had him grade him beforehand. So, uh, but his his hands were inconsistent. Definitely wasn't bringing his thumbs together before the ball got there. Um, he dropped one two in the end zone uh, on like one v ones. But uh, I I thought he was a he was a I think he's a, he's a big stock up. I really do. If he's not a a third rounder, he's going to go in the early fourth. I was pretty impressed with Payne Durham. And I looked at the national mock draft database. No one's ranking him as a, even like a, a draftable player, which was interesting. No, I think the tight end group's always like one of the more fluid groups, right? Like they always there's always guys that just come out of nowhere all of a sudden and get drafted, or guys who are taken even in like the sixth round who come out of nowhere. So, um, yeah, I think he's got a chance. I don't really care that that, that, that mock drafts all over the place because they're still including mock drafts in that thing too from like months ago it's like they almost need to like do a cutoff of like you know last three months or something and that should be like where their consensus mock boards are right all right guys that's gonna wrap it up tonight for us uh make sure you're checking out the campus can feed the freshman guys coming out soon uh there might be a special guest on the debbie debate it might be me it might be Corey. <laughs> who knows uh but check out the stuff it's a lot of good stuff coming on i'm actually finding myself listening to a lot of uh, cff content I really want to get to know coaches more. I'm getting pretty good at it, but it's just so good to know that history of coaches. We talked about Christian Gonzalez about it, but uh, even from a fantasy side, though, you, you can have expectations for an offensive system based on what coaches are going there. Uh, but guys, again, uh, if you guys can rate review the show, that helps us out a lot as a company, as a duo. Uh, if you didn't like the show, just, just hold off until next, next week's, I swear next week will be better. All right. That does it tonight for us, guys. And from Corey and from Mike, good night and good luck.